1: Welcome to Think About It with me, Victoria Zarenka. Today's guest is a certified badass, Robin Arzan, who you might have seen on a screen via Peloton during quarantine. Robin is not only an instructor, she's an ultra marathoner and renowned fitness coach, but she also inspires and motivates me with her high energy and incredible positivity. It's really refreshing how someone can spark a different perspective in you. I hope you all enjoy this episode. I'm really, really excited to learn more about you. Likewise. We haven't met physically, but I have been with you for uh, some time now since I have gotten my Peloton bike. Pretty <laughs> much every day with my cardio, with getting you know excited about the workout because, you know, in quarantine it's not it's not easy. So um, your energy has been really exciting for me and um, honestly i was very skeptical before uh i watched a lot of funny videos of people saying who who needs motivation to work out but i totally get it and i wouldn't change it i'm so excited that i got my peloton so thank you very much for being here i'm super excited to get to know you a little bit more and i would like to just jump right into some questions um and to learn a little bit more about you you grew up uh, where did you grow up I know uh, your your mom has come from Cuba.
2: Yes, my mother is a Cuban refugee and is definitely a living superhero. Uh, my my mother my mother and her side of the family are from Cuba. My father and his side are from Puerto Rico. So definitely a, an interesting house growing up.
1: <laughs> yes, you you I love the I love the Latin vibe. I'm all about reggaeton music. So. I hope you will incorporate some some more of that music in in the workouts, but we'll we'll get back to it a little bit later. Um, how was it for you? Uh, you know, growing up uh, growing up in U.S., having uh, a little bit of a different culture. I grew I didn't grow up in the states, but I came a little bit later, so I I was also learning a little bit more about American culture and how I blend in, and that made me very multicultural. So I wanted to know how was
2: it for you growing up? I think any anybody who's living in an immigrant experience whether first generation born like myself or certainly born in another country and then living in the U.S. you kind of have a little bit of of a bifurcated existence you know I started to learn very early when to wear what hat um, you know when to kind. and thankfully now as an adult I can kind of combine the two but I think as a kid it was like speaking Spanish and eating Spanish foods and, and doing things at home and then doing different things at school because I wasn't really exposed to in in my schooling, you know, folks who had cultures similar to mine. So, um those blurred lines i'm I'm happy to see are, are are being encouraged more now through music through arts but that's not something i was really exposed to growing up so um it was challenging for sure because you recognize that other kids might not have the same traditions or or their families certainly don't have similar stories necessarily so um but i appreciate that perspective i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for anything
1: as a kid sometimes you know it's, uh, it's hard enough to kind of understand who you are and when you when you blend in, you know, different cultures and your parents maybe see life a certain way and then you go into school and it's like a little bit of a different world. Sometimes it gets, I feel like it gets confusing. Um, and from my experience, my son is also going to be multicultural. So I'm excited to see how that is going to impact him growing up and, and um, taking him... Uh, taking him further as i've learned your parents were very focused on your education uh at the beginning and you were saying that you were allergic to exercising when you were when you were a child which is hard to believe very hard to believe but uh we will go we will go there how was that for you growing up putting that all that effort in into education and then how did that help you going into and building yourself more in, in um you know, physical world.
2: Well, I mean, both pursuits take discipline, right? So whether you're good at school or excel in sports, it does require a certain level of discipline. But I was terrified of sports as a kid. I just really wasn't exposed to it. It's not something my family really, really participated in. And that, you know, I grew up in my grandmother's kitchen. So I grew up in my wellness kitchen. So I didn't really play, play sports. Um, and I, I do wish I would have been exposed to it at a much younger age, but it allowed me to, to enter full force when I was adult, when I became an adult and fell in love with running and then weightlifting and cycling. And that, I guess the foundation, the only foundation I know was, you know, the straight A student was the person who ended up, you know, graduating from law school and that knowing that in order to do those things well, I had to have an outlet to move my body physically. And that I only discovered when I was in law school. So, you know, the strength, confidence, all the, I mean, you know, all the ways that an athlete kind of can stand in the world um, on both feet is is something I didn't discover until I was an an adult. So I I love seeing youth sport programs in ways that we can, encourage kids to move and start, fall in love with movement because of the confidence that it builds, not necessarily because everyone's gonna be a, a pro <laughs> a pro tennis player. Exactly, but I, I feel
1: like it's such an important component. And um, you know in some countries, for example in my country, it wasn't also in school, it wasn't promoted. The sport wasn't promoted. We had like a gymnastic class, but it's you know, it was nothing serious nothing that you could really learn and uh expose yourself to to actually do some kind of sport or to 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 be healthy it wasn't educational enough to take that that step and i'm also very um encouraged by and inspired by seeing all the youth programs you know seeing little kids running around at 4 years old on the soccer field and stuff i think it's it's so important and it's such an important part of being um mentally also healthy That helps you to um to move forward in life and teaches you discipline and one thing that i feel like from your background maybe helped you is how to reach the goals right and this is what uh and the discipline of reaching the goal even though it wasn't physical it was mental so i i always feel from from your energy and the way you speak the the things i've learned about you that you're very focused and very goal driven but you're very grateful for the journey that, 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 um, that you experienced that you have experienced in life. And that kind of brings me to the next topic, which was very life-changing for you. And I know you've talked a lot about being uh, held hostage and that experience that, that brought to you what I wanted to know and kind of get inside a little bit, um, of what was the moment that, changed you know was it one moment that it was like you know what i'm just gonna try to change my life and try to, to to do healthy and use that experience or was that something that took you more steps because sometimes we you know it's not one step sometimes it's one click that that pops in your head then you and you do that work but was it was it one thing or was it few steps that 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 kept you going into your new journey
2: Definitely a few steps. I would say, you know, I was held hostage entering my senior year at NYU. And a year later, when I was in law school is when I started to really think, oh, wow, I might, I have trauma I haven't dealt with. And it really was, I mean, it was literal and figurative steps. I saw a pair of shoes in my closet and I thought, all right, I'm just going to jog a mild, I'm gonna walk to class today and then I'm gonna jog and then I'm gonna run and then I signed up for a 10K and then a marathon, an ultra marathon. But the, it, was the, it was the small iterative process that I just kept showing up to do a little bit more and a little bit more. And I didn't have, I didn't know any runners in my life. I really didn't know anything about the, these classical distances of racing. I truly knew nothing. I probably didn't even have the right gear. I just got curious about what it would feel like, how I would feel better from powerless to powerful if I just went another block and another block and another block. And that, that literally was my journey. It was little by little by little.
1: It's multiple steps. And, and it just, uh, I feel like some of, you know, from my own experience, it's always like you kind of have those red flags around you and you're like, oh, or like signs, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Then another one. And then there's like the sign where you can't ignore, where you just put in front And then you have to deal with this. And that's where you kind of, you know, taking a different journey in life, you grow. And as unfortunate as that experience was for you was, you know, life-changing. And you probably very, in a way, grateful for it, for that experience of what what that has brought to you. Because, you know, I feel like gratitude is such a amazing tool Uh, for people but it's it's not easy to to obtain it not easy to feel that sometimes Um, with your experience with you know different people in your own journey have that been easy for you to have gratitude or is it the constant work that you have to consciously make
2: it's practice just like doing a bicep curl or getting better at pushups or it's racking heavier weight, you know, it were being precise with a swing. You know, this, it definitely requires the, the, the gratitude practice. I think of gra- my gratitude capacity as a muscle. I think of my resiliency as a muscle. I think of my willpower as a, as muscles. And it, and it's, very easy to fall off track. I mean, you know, the, the Uber is late or whatever, little things that just are friction that we know in the grand scheme of things don't matter, but we're human and of course they annoy us. But I found like, when I take a top down approach, I try to zoom out as much as possible, like you would zoom out on a map. And I try to look at things and think, if I zoomed out in a year or five years, 10 years, would this matter? And that becomes a barometer. And then usually it's like, okay, this little annoyance, this little friction really wouldn't matter if I zoom out. So that's when I know I have to insert almost like an Instagram filter of gratitude. And it is, sometimes it starts as simple as like, what are three things in my house right now I'm grateful for? And sometimes they become much more poignant, especially when I'm in, in the thick of like a run or a workout. Cause I, you know, that can get very emotional. And when I let my head go there, I actually think it really changes us on a cellular level. And I do look at it as like, uh, you know, there's a, There's a physical output to these emotions. And if we tap in where where, where we focus, we'll magnify. So I try to prioritize resiliency and willpower and gratitude as three of the main values for my life and and practice that daily.
1: Have that come for you with your journey of of fitness and kind of self-discovery? Or was that also part of how you how you grew up or that was something that you self-taught with with experience and it was you know sometimes I feel it's a calling like you have you 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 can have a different background my background from you know Eastern Europe we don't necessarily believe in visualization in a way or like you know positive self-talk it's like you know what just go on with your life and everything is going to be fine it's more faith faith faith-based and stuff so when did it develop or was it when you were growing up?
2: I think it's a combination of two things. I mean, my my family is definitely a testament to the power of gratitude and resiliency, willpower, hard work, but also a self belief. Um, you know, when they had, when when my family had to recreate themselves with absolutely nothing in the United States, it I was able to witness the power of those values. But also, my mom is an incredibly positive person, and whatever is thrown at her, she just she pivots. You know, I believe that a queen pivots and even when her crown slips, she just figures out a way. And so I had those examples growing up and then it was honestly running marathons and ultra marathons that allowed me, you know, when you're in an athletic pursuit, it's, it's almost a mirror. The toughest workouts, the toughest runs, the toughest training sessions are a mirror to your own character. And when I was out there on the road, logging those miles, running my initial races, I had to that mirror of the value system is like okay are you resilient are you grateful or do you have willpower and um, that's what I love about the iterative process of, of becoming of becoming right like like we're always evolving um, but I, I really That second piece of it, like growing up, I knew I had the foundation, but what what solidified it was was becoming an athlete as an adult and asking myself those questions of like, well, who are you really? Are you the kind of person who gives up on a 15 mile run at mile 14? No.
1: And do do you feel that self-control is an important
2: component of that structure? For sure. I think that the habits, People seek out the feeling, but then don't create the foundation or the processes for the habits. And I think they're looking at it the wrong way. It's like you have established the habits and the processes, and then the good feelings will come. There are a lot of days we don't feel like training, but we do it because that's our process and that's what we do. And then the end goal is gratitude and and endorphins and all that stuff,
1: you know? Definitely. There's a lot of days where you don't feel like getting up and, and doing stuff and be like the snooze button, you know, that keeps going on and off. But sometimes you just, you just have to go, go up and then get those, you know, f- first 15 minutes and then you start to feel better and little by little as, as you said at the beginning, the journey starts from one step to another understanding that you have had the foundation and an example of, you know, a person that you, uh, with your mom that is really positive and grateful and, and giving you all those values, how do you feel for someone who maybe not as fortunate as having that example in the house, how can they find within themselves to go on that journey? You know, because for me it was a personal experience. My family is a little bit different than I am sometimes. I mean, I'm very different from them, so I'm taking you know a self-exploratory uh, journey for myself. So I wanted to also you know for people to hear like that. It doesn't matter if you don't necessarily have a foundation you you can find the ability to to self-discover yourself to learn those tools because i mean looking at your journey you've created something completely different from where you started to be right you know being a lawyer and then going into a different i don't i've met unfortunately a lot of lawyers in the last couple of years. I don't see them being in shape and i don't see them being very very happy or grateful or up, cheer, cheered up so um how how what would be maybe not necessarily your advice but something of a little story that somebody can use and get inspired by
2: well when i'm having ungrateful days i i ask myself two questions what is it that i wished for that i have right now like sometimes we, we wish, we pray, we hope for the partner or the dream job or the whatever, a, a, a material thing, a house, a car, and then we get it and we pretty quickly forget how badly we wanted it once we get it. So I think that puts me back into an appreciation of like, oh my gosh, like there were times when I couldn't even afford, afford the New York City subway. You know, so there, so it's, that's, you know, that, that first question is, Ask yourself, what is it that I have right now that I used to wish, hope, pray, and dream for? Guaranteed there's something, at least one thing. And then the second question is really taking an, getting honest perspective. Gratitude is perspective. Gratitude turns why me to try me. It kind of shifts our perspective. And I really do look at it like an Instagram filter. Like we're so in this world of architected realities that we can take that same reflexive question and Guarantee there's somebody in the world who would take your problems and call them blessings. So when we Zoom, you know, that Zoom out effect, it's all this same conversation, right? So it's, it's, it's self-talk. It's having an, a relationship enough with the conversation that's going on here and enough perspective to know what's going on in the world and to say, gosh, even on my worst days, I'm, sur- I'm still surviving. We've made it through 100% of our worst days. Let's bring in a little bit of perspective because there is someone who would trade, trade places with me right now. And I have that conversation with myself a lot because it doesn't mean your problems aren't real, but we can take them in context.
1: It's about perspective. I really love to, you know, also to to think of situations in a different perspective. And that's what is exciting for me to talk to different people and see their stories and understand how they think, because it's very, it's very easy to be negative. It's very easy. And it's... um, it's sometimes it becomes like a drug and it's hard for you to to kind of get out of it so um people i feel like now are a little bit more aware of mental of mental health and 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 things like that but before it's like you know it's just negative just get over it and you're like okay thanks i that's what i thought i had to do (laughs) it but just just get over it and and what i've you know I also constantly need to remind myself like you know you have oh you have always gonna have good and bad days it's just constant practice of doing those tools and understanding and hopefully you know maybe in 20 30 years the younger generation who are more aware of those those things are going to be more progressed and then it's going to keep going that's really my hope is is that for example my son is is going to take a little bit of a earlier you know, journey, journey of that and, and, um, and kind of self-discovery. You are very involved in, with women's, um, foundation. And, um, I know you have been diagnosed with type one diabetes, um, which is something that my dad has diabe- diabetes and, um, unfortunately he still eats cake and don't get me started. on, <laughs> Don't get me started on that. But how was that, um, Finding out about the disease, how did you feel about that? And what was your attitude towards, towards the disease and towards moving forward and how to, um, there's two questions in one. First, with the foundation. Cause I know you, you, you're doing a lot of work for that and races and stuff. But first I wanted to ask, how was your, yeah. In basically introduction to, to this part of your life.
2: I was already running ultra marathons when I was diagnosed as type one, which means my pancreas doesn't produce insulin and I am insulin dependent. So there's no, um, there's no way to reverse the type, the type of diabetes that I have and that I I honestly look at it like I look at anything else that's thrown our way is I had to figure out a way to pivot. The first question I asked my doctor was, okay, well, how am I going to continue running ultra marathons? So I had to become my own best advocate. I had to do the research. I had to source the technology. And, you know, it's, that's what I would advise anyone with any any medical condition or any kind of issue where where they're really needing to get specialists. Be your own best advocate. Do your homework and put your own goals and priorities very clearly on the line. Because I, I took a while for me to find medical practitioners who really even understood what I do every day, and that you know training multiple hours a day was just part of what ha- what I do you know it would it was very easy for the, you know the initial doctors to be like oh well you probably won't do ultra marathons and I was like well I'm gonna show you exactly that I will so that kind of um, honestly that resistance at first probably was a really good catalyst because I was like I'm just gonna show the world what the hell I can do but I had to really start treating myself like a science experiment I mean there weren't a lot of um, you know type one management is really tricky. You're basically needing to think like a pancreas and 24 seven I'm needing to decide like how much insulin, how many carbs, how, you know, you're constantly doing calculations and it's really, really challenging, but it's not impossible. And I think because I was already an athlete, when I was diagnosed, I already knew a lot about body awareness and and sleep and hydration and food and, and all that stuff. So thank, thank goodness, because I think, um, I wasn't starting at zero, but it, It was a pivot for sure.
1: Do you find out just uh, suddenly or was it something that you know you've been feeling and then it was you know just a time for a checkup or was it just you know a regular a regular day regular checkup and then you you hear the news?
2: Yeah I had been feeling um, really dehydrated really fatigued definitely off. And I knew I felt off. And my mother is a physician and she spotted the symptoms and she said, you have to go in for blood work. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't hospitalized or it wasn't anything that happened, but I I knew myself enough to know, gosh, these, these runs are not feeling like they should, you know, athletes just kind of have an ability to tap in. So, and thankfully my mother was there as a resource to definitely spot the signs.
1: I am also very attuned with my body um, but for me to go to the doctor is it has to be a, a critical condition because I was like you know what no I'm gonna I'm gonna get over it this is it's gonna be fine I just need to do this and I need to do that and uh, um, one thing led to another got me in the hospital in January for five days so now I know now I know better yes I had uh, a pretty bad kidney infection in January so. Um, yeah that was that was that was a light bulb going on like you know what maybe next time you are you are very close to be out of here so maybe next time <laughs> go go on a little
2: bit there oh my gosh i'm glad you're okay
1: i am not a runner even though i'm an athlete i i still can't really picture myself doing um doing doing a marathon but i said i will do it after my career and i will do it for charity because that's what is going to excite me to do it for charity i cannot imagine a hundred mile race in even in the car you know being an athlete and putting my body through you know physical hell at times i still cannot picture a hundred miles run so how were you preparing yourself mentally did it take time for you to prepare mentally? Or uh, were you going first, you know what, let my body get there physically first, or or was it coming
2: hand in hand? I think it goes hand in hand. When you're training for an ultra like that, you really focus on back-to-back long runs. So whereas a marathon might have one long run a week, ultras have two long runs back-to-back. So within a 24-hour period, I would log, I don't know, 40 miles or something, 50 miles. Um, so it's, which it sounds daunting, but it really was small little iterative steps. And I would force myself to do it like no music, no podcasts, and just be out there on the road. And that training, that mental gymnastics, where I had to really get comfortable with myself, um, out there for hours and hours was the training. So it wasn't just time on my feet and the physicality of course, of, of, of being on the road. It was also being with yourself long enough to, Go
1: on that journey. I even you talking about it makes me very, (laughs) very tired. (laughs) Very tired. Um, So, part of those races were they a part of your work with a women's foundation?
2: i've raised money for for beyond type one for ms from the us for ms research because my mother lives with ms so it's been um actually no women's foundation specifically but mostly as it relates to type 1 diabetes and ms
1: i know it's probably a very sensitive subject but having your mother being diagnosed diagnosed with uh ms um has that impacted you and um how did you take that because I will share my personal story. I found out that my mom was um, diagnosed with uh, four stage breast cancer and it devastated me to the point that I felt so helpless that there's not nothing I felt like I could do, even though I tried and all you can do is sometimes be mentally supportive. Uh, not sometimes, all the time, but I always felt like it wasn't en- wasn't enough. So how how was that? How did that impact you?
2: Well, the first few years, we were still just trying to figure out what was even wrong. Um, you know, she's a doctor, so she was able to advocate for herself. But even that was ex- extremely challenging. And of course, you you hit the nail on the head. The helplessness, helplessness of seeing your loved one. Like it, dealing with her, her MS diagnosis was way more challenging than my own, from my perspective, than my own type 1 diagnosis. I was like, okay, at least I know what I can control and what I can handle, but not knowing what your loved one can handle is crushing. But the beauty of what, of the journey is that actually I ran my very first marathon to raise money for MS research. My mom saw me cross the finish line for the New York City Marathon. She was so inspired by me. She started jogging. She started doing her own races. Now she rides the Peloton every day. And that's been a huge part of her MS treatment. So it's interesting how our journey is like, I started running to support her and then she started getting athletic, inspired by me. And now we both do it together. And we both have, we're both healthier despite chronic conditions. So it really, um, it's weird. It's crazy how like just, The evolution is is we're exactly living the stories we're supposed to live, you know, because she and I both kind of banded together and um, she's doing really well right now. Thank God.
1: It kind of feels like it's a full circle. You were inspired and motivated by her in education and she's inspired by you being in fitness. So it really feels like it's coming in a a full circle. And it's um, it's really amazing to hear. And uh, I hope your mom is, is gonna be very good. <laughs> and maybe one day we will see, we will see her um, doing a class. Is that, is that a possibility? Is that a possibility? <laughs> and actually one more question about your mom. I heard she learned English by um, wor- watching PBS.
2: Yes. She taught herself English by watching Sesame Street.
1: Sesame Street. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I learned English by watching Friends
2: no way that's amazing yeah
1: i i knew basic very very basic english and then i i watched the show and that's how i got into like culture and how i understand um, american humor uh, a lot as well so um what were maybe some steps or that changed in your daily routine because i imagine your daily routine changed completely but what have you added that was maybe very fundamental, the first thing that you've added that you keep still doing today, or how your, you know, those habits on those routines evolved with your experience, with your knowledge. Yeah, and things you uh, find out every day.
2: Well, when I was a lawyer, I started a 10 minute a day. I would literally set a calendar appointment for 10 minutes a day, and that's when I would devote to dreaming, right? So I would either email someone who I thought might know something, you know, because I knew I wanted to leave law, but it was really like a two year process before I actually did it. And that 10 minute a day appointment that I made with myself to either Google something, research something, email someone, call someone, have an informational interview, whatever the case was that those little, little, I planted a lot of seeds in those 10 minutes over those two years. And some of those, that, that network that I built It's a lot of the network that I rely on now, even though I had no idea what I was doing. Um, So now that 10 minute a day kind of philosophy still sticks with me. So nowadays it's not necessarily making a phone call or sending an email. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just sitting down with a notepad and being like, what is it that I'm just strategizing with my own kind of dream building so that 10 minute a day piece is critical because no matter how busy you are you can take 10 minutes to devote to building your empire i, I truly believe um, the second foundational thing for me was meditation learning how to meditate when i was a lawyer helped me significantly and that's something that i a practice i still use today and a simple simple thing i make my bed every morning that sets the tone for like my day so those are three things that i started as a lawyer but then as i became an athlete it became like non-negotiable
1: i i do my bed now too i learned that i was like i've i've read that from actually a lot of people and um i start to do my own bed finally i'm 30 years old and i finally did it it's never too late right it's never never too never too late you, you do it when you're a kid because you've been told to and then like and then you don't want to be told what to do so you're rebelling like you know what i'm not gonna do my bed. And then living in the hotels, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. And and now you're at home with coronavirus. It's well, you have to do it. You have to do it. So thirty years old, making the bed now. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your book. Um, what was what was the process for you to uh, writing the book? How w- was it um, also kind of clearing your your thoughts and like not kind of emptying it out on the paper, but in the way, sometimes, you know, when we put something down on the paper, it just, it just goes away from our head. We don't think about it anymore. Was that part of, you know, like therapy for you to write, writing that, writing that book, or was it more, I want to inspire people. I want to, you know, um, share my story. What was, what was that process for you?
2: When I wrote shut up and run, I wanted, I wanted to write the book that I needed when I started running. I found really, I found it really overwhelming when I started Googling and researching, you know, how to be a runner. And I thought, oh my God, I need like six washes and fancy everything. And what? how do I do this? So I wanted to demystify running. So for me, it just became shut up and run, like just go run and you will become a better runner. And of course there's technique and lots of sophistication once you get into it, but the the fear is very paralyzing for folks, whether you're a first-time runner or you took a you know a hiatus. And um, or you're, you're a runner hitting a plateau and you just want to reach the next level. That's what I wanted to address in my book. But I wanted to humanize it because my story isn't, it isn't you know, I wasn't a track athlete running a five minute mile when I was a kid. So I wanted to humanize it to be like, no, you, you can too, because I created myself into an athlete. You can too, and here's how. So it's everything from training plans to my journey and detailing, you know, the hostage situation and, and even my mom's MS and my type one diagnosis. So all of the elements that kind of became chapters in my running story I put into the book but the biggest takeaways are that it's not that complicated um you can do it
1: is that your also life motto when you don't feel like doing something (laughs) do you tell yourself that
2: sometimes yeah because it's amazing how we can talk ourselves out of it's like I'm just gonna listen read one more book listen to one more podcast when I do these 10 things then I'll start it's like just start just start. You'll, and then you can continue to do the education. But there, there's a paralyzing piece of it that we get stuck in our own um, analysis that often isn't very helpful.
1: Yeah, when you when you start to think, I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to do it then, I'm going to do that. And then it's like, oh, well, I do it in, in, in that time. I still have time. I still have time. I, I, I get caught my, uh, with myself sometimes, you know, thinking, what I'm going to do. And then I, and then I'm thinking so much, it takes so much of my time that I actually don't have time to do it. And it's, it's just a, it's just a waste of time. And, um, what I, also it was really interesting for me is having, you know, such positive outlook and gratitude and the way, um, you train your, your mind to you know, consciously ap- approach life in a different perspective, do you have doubts? Do you, are you scared when you do something new? Um, because what I want also for people to sometimes understand that even if you're great at something, if you're the best even at something, it doesn't mean that you don't have emotions, fears, doubts, it's really about how that, that those things are not going to stop you from doing from doing that and you're still going to push forward and i've had a amazing chat with with one of uh with sasha de who's a rock climber and she's literally hanging off you know two thousand feet and i was like i mean how scary that is and i asked her are you scared Be- and because she seems fearless. And fearless to me is, is a very powerful word. Uh, especially when, when it's next to women. <laughs> but it's not, fearless is not about not having fear. It's about not stopping you from doing what you do. But I wanted to ask you, how do you feel? Do you have those moments where you just feel, you know, sometimes I feel powerless in a way. But I have to be okay with that.
2: I don't really believe in, in fearlessness. I believe that the most brave, the folks we we end up revering the most, really see fear as a companion of sorts, right? So, I, I think fear is a healthy response to putting ourselves pushing ourselves out of our boundaries, um, and I I like that. Like I, I've start I've started to associate that fear with with a good growth. Um, and I think the ways in which it goes back to the, the so storytelling really. It's like, what story am I telling myself about this trigger? And oftentimes I just have to unpack it enough to be like, I think this is how I think of it. Like if I might fear over and like they're sitting on the couch with me, like it's, I have to almost create like a, an, um, a personality around the emotion and be like, okay, Fear is going to sit next to me, but then so is pride, and then so is resilience. And I I have to have that kind of almost friendliness with these emotions because they can be paralyzing. And, of course, I've been there, but now I associate fear with growth. So if I actually haven't been fearful or at the very least uncomfortable in a while, I start to question, have I done enough?
1: do you feel that fear and pressure are related there do you feel that as the same or or different because for me i always felt that i perform better under pressure that's what excites me like when it's pressure when there's a go time i want to go there even though it's uncomfortable and and, and everything but i want to be there when it's when you know what's going to happen it's kind of boring it's not it's it's whatever but what a little bit of unknown and that pressure is what always pushed me also forward and excite me so i don't know if it's the same with fear or pressure so i want to see how you see that
2: i think that they're related i, I agree i think pressure can be good for us especially when we have tactics and processes for dealing with the pressure right so we, we develop like a stress resiliency like we know okay i I've handled it and then when, and, and also to recognize when we're reaching the top and we can't handle it, right? So it's like that balancing act, but as ambitious people, we're always like pushing it a little bit more and more and more. Um, but I think that the pressure can be a catalyst for fear and the fear can create more pressure that might not even be there. So it's interesting how we have to have, again, it goes back to unpacking that conversation. I do think outside pressure can be very, very helpful, but I think it has to align with what our goals are, Sometimes we're receiving pressure from opinions or communities that have no relevance into our innate value system and goals. And that I think is an important distinction.
1: How do you not necessarily maybe block it, block out negative people and negative energy because it's constantly around. It is it, definitely around, you know, especially with social media and all, all that, uh, You know negative information out there how do you how do you deal with that do you push it aside or you work through it
2: you know negativity is we're not going to totally sidestep that and i don't think we should i think that actually it's it's a good it's a good way to to see how are we how how is our inner alignment in in relation to that negativity but we have to curate our scopes of influence that's in media consumption that's in social media who you're following it's what newspapers you're reading it's what shows you're watching that is that i mean that's a that's consumption just like we know to eat vegetables and drink water so that kind of literacy i think um, more and more folks are becoming attuned to but i curate my scope of influence really intentionally you know, and that goes from the closest people in my life to what I'm reading, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to. It's very often, you know, of course, we have to be aware of what's going on in the world and you have to be engaged as a global citizen, but that doesn't mean you have to watch seven hours a day of, you know, a newsfeed of negative stuff. So it's finding that balancing act and I think curating your scope of influence in all levels, whether it's in business, whether it's in romantic relationships, familial, we have to set boundaries and that includes, you know, anything that's negative it doesn't have to be a person it could be you know a headline
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly well i robin has been really amazing i would just like to ask you a couple questions that i like to finish the show with they're very simple they're just can be one word answer or whatever and they get they will kind of summarize of me getting to know you even more um are you okay with that yeah let's do it Okay, what is your favorite word? Hustle. Nice. What is your least favorite word? Can't. Uh, what is one profession besides your own that you would want to do?
2: I don't have the ability to do it, but I would want to be like a, perfor- a singer. Like, I would want to be like a Britney Spears, Beyonce, Lizzo combo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's amazing. <laughs> what about one of profession that you would never want to do? Dentist. Dentist. That's interesting. What is something that um you admire from people? Tenacity. And what is what turns you turns you off from people? Laziness. And uh my last question will be if heaven exists and you arrive at the pearly gates, what would you uh, what would you like God to tell you?
2: you have some good stories to tell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that's that's a wrap, Robin. Thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure. I will see you on the screen tomorrow. And I can't wait for some new classes. Um, my personal fail ask would be to include some more reggaeton but i'll wait for that
2: (laughs) i got you i have a new 20 minute latin ride that is right up your alley but i am so grateful that we were able to connect today it's it's my honor. thank
1: you so much (laughs) i hope to meet you in person one day
2: likewise and best to you and and your family um and good luck with wherever you're holed up
1: (laughs) thank you i appreciate it thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Think About It. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. This will help us to know what maybe other topics you guys want to hear or how you like the show so we can improve. This will be really, really appreciated. I'll be talking more about this podcast over on my Instagram, so please come and join the conversation with me there. Thank you.